Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Nick Seidler, and we are talking about House of Paper Shadows. Nick was one of the editors who worked on House of Paper Shadows and on the Wandering Heroes of Aggregate game, and he also contributed a lot to the setting with um, things like the time, the the sort of time, and uh, and he and I have had a lot of discussions about Doctor Who and things like that. So uh, I thought I'd have him on, uh, and we would talk about the House of Paper Shadows, which became available in print on the 15th and should be available in stores and uh, is available in PDF on RPG now. Uh, it's a Just to give the basic rundown, it's a haunted house adventure set in a earthen Chinese roundhouse, kind of like a round-walled village that's... Uh, I can't go into the details without giving away too much, but it's a really great sort of haunted adventure appropriate for Halloween. And I'm hoping to encourage people to go check it out. So I thought I'd have people on who helped contribute to the book in some way and who have been involved in the Ogregate uh, project. And you, we'll just give you some insights into what the book is about and and maybe, you know, give you some reasons to, to pick it up. So, so yeah, so Nick, um, before we yeah. get into this, I did want to just sort of veer off topic slightly because we haven't touched base on Doctor Who and both you and I are fans and the new season started. So I just wanted to quickly get your assessment of the new season before we dive into House of Paper Shadows. Well, I'll be honest, I'm pretty jacked up about it. Uh-huh. So I, I think we have a great new 13th Doctor. Uh, I'd like to think that people who might have been a little bit worried about a female Doctor can kind of relax a little bit and, and enjoy the Doctor for the great character that it is. And I so far have really enjoyed the the first two stories. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. No, I was I was gonna ask for your feedback. So yeah, no, I I, I feel the same way. I, I liked the first episode a lot. The second episode I wasn't quite as enthused by, but I still liked it. So there were I was and, and I and I agree with you on the doctor. Like I think she's she's working great. And I wasn't worried about a female doctor. I was worried about how they were going to handle having a female doctor. And and that was what I was mainly focused on. And I felt that they did a very good job, at least in these two episodes, of 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 just sort of focusing on giving us a good doctor. And 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 so it just worked. It wasn't um, it, the transition felt very seamless to me. And uh, I totally agree with that. I think. Uh... We ended up with a good doctor, a character that is still the doctor. I agree a little bit that the second uh, story might not have been as 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 crazy, but it also is obviously one of the episodes that they, other than the location work, that they filmed on a shoestring budget. You know, yes, only yes. two or three actors, kind of making up for probably the grand crane work they had to do in the first story. So, um, you know. We get that. It's okay. It's still fun. Yeah. No, and and there was and there was a lot I liked about that episode. It wasn't that I hated it. It's just that I had more criticisms of that episode than the previous one. But the thing I really enjoyed about the episode were the moments when the characters were talking together. Like uh, Ebso's mother story was the best mom tale I've ever seen in a movie or TV show. Like that. That like is is even though I would give the episode maybe a B, that's like a standout moment that I'm always going to remember. In uh, in Doctor Who now, I, I just I knew the moment it happened. I was like, this is something I'm always going to refer back to, and yeah. and I really liked um, what is it, Graham? And is Ryan the other guy's name? Is it Ryan and Graham? Uh, when Ryan and Graham, I like the dynamic that's developing between them, and I like sort of how they, you know, when they're because uh, I wasn't quite sure where they were going to go with Graham, and and I'm really enjoying uh, 
the the relationship that they have and the the some of the complexities to it. So yeah. I, so I agree with that completely. So um, it, it's it's kind of nice too to see quote unquote a group of friends more than like I'm now going to try to educate you as a companion about something. So I see it much more as as a little bit more of a team, which I like. And I agree that there are some quote unquote family dynamics there that I think are are strong and but also makes sense because when we first saw the pictures of what the group was going to be I didn't know how that group was going to be connected yeah but it feels like a natural connection you know so yeah yeah and and they are all connected because Ryan and Yaz her name is Yaz right is that the Correct. woman's name yep, yep. She, they went to school together if I remember so they have that connection and Graham yep. and Ryan are connected uh by by his grandmother and so I think, I, and that's a, that's a really nice connective point. So I, I just think that it's working. And I, and again, whenever you see new companions, especially when you when 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 they decide to have three instead of just one or something, you don't you don't know what to expect. And 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 three could go downhill really steeply if it's done wrong. But this was, I thought, set up really well. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like any companion is being currently ignored. So. Yeah. I think everybody's having a moment or two in each story, appropriately so. I kind of think a little bit about the Peter Davison era, where maybe Adric or Nyssa, when it was Adric, Nyssa, Tegan, Terrapling, and the TARDIS, might not have had a moment to shine. I'm not seeing that right now. I see it much more positive. Yeah, no, I, I think I think they're making an effort to do that. Um, I, I guess I would say we, we probably don't know as much about Yaz right now, just in terms of... Uh, because a lot of the drama has been focused on Graham and Ryan, but I'm expecting that we're going to learn more about some because there's been flashes of it for sure. Um, and so, but, but it all feels like it's very natural and, you know, we're, uh, it's all kind of unfolding. what did you think of the new TARDIS? I actually love the new TARDIS. So I think the kind of crystal shape is, is neat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the kind of like metal walls are interesting. Um, there's also something that we haven't gotten a really good look at, but it seems like some of the walls are, I don't know, like holographic or glow, like red and blue, and there's some like interesting distance work that we've seen, just where it looks like it might be hexagons or roundels, but they might not all be at the same distance from the camera. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure what that looks like. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of the inside of it, so... So, yeah, no, it's one thing I, I wanted to ask you is what was the deal with the cookie, the cookie uh, being so, deposited? Because I, I had a feeling that was a reference to something that I was missing. It, it's actually not a reference to to something previously in the show, but there there was a kind of an interesting featurette that the BBC released in which uh, the designer of the console wanted to do kind of something special for uh, Jodie Whittaker. And he mm -hmm. just found out what her favorite cookie was which i think was a custard cream biscuit uh -huh. and so he actually built a custom uh, cu a custom dispenser in the tardis console which she can actually step on and it'll feed her a cookie whenever she wants oh it. that's pretty so, neat. yeah it's, it's it's actually really cool because it, from what i understand it really is her favorite cookie and i'm kind of interested of whether or not you know, she will work it into the story whenever she feels like it. Okay. You know, to kind of create a more interesting, like, I'm going to, you know, my responsibility is to say these lines and walk around the console, but it'd be perfect for me to have a cookie right uh -huh. now. So. 
think no, that's cool. I, no, that was nice because it, it, it looked delicious. Number one, but but I, you know, the only the only thing I could think of was, was that like a fish sticks and custard reference. Like that was the only <laughs> thing that I could could I think, but it didn't seem like it was connecting. So, and uh, and people listening might think we're going way off topic, but in reality, we we aren't. Um, you know, Nick and I are both Doctor Who fans, and Nick is like the grand poobah of Doctor Who fans. I'm I'm like a lowly acolyte, but. I don't know uh, but when we were working on, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I'd I'd say Grand Poobah is is pretty accurate. Um, uh, I mean, Nick has very firm Doctor Who credentials, I'd say, and and I and I have enough experience with you on the show going over the classic episodes. It's just obvious, you know, off the cuff, you just know a lot about it. But uh, but when we were working on Overgate, you you started introducing a, you know a little bit of uh, Doctor Who element to the to the to the game with the sort of time and things like that. And I had kind of done that with the previous game, Sartorius, where you know this isn't like official in the rules, but I had envisioned because I was running um, some Doctor Who side campaigns at the time, I wanted that world to actually be Gallifrey before the Time Lords really you know. Uh, uh, appeared and so uh, just for my own personal campaign so that I could do a Doctor Who thing uh, and so I added a lot of stuff about time and all that and and so when you introduced the sort of time I was like oh that's perfect I love I love time travel and 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 that continued with um, the House of Paper Shadows because there's a time travel section in there which I kind of added figuring like you know I know Nick is gonna you know is is gonna find some utility with this and and so and I knew you were gonna be editing it so I was like I'm you know it, it feels appropriate here um, so I thought we could maybe lead with some of the time travel stuff before we get into the actual adventure and you know what we you know what we like about it or what we think people might find interesting but sure. I don't know if you had yeah. any thoughts on that well I First of all, you know, I, I want to set up Paper Shadows just briefly for one second, and that is that one of the things, and, and this is very obvious when you first get it, um, and, and as if, if you're going to be a game master who will be running the, the, the adventure or the campaign, I, I think it's important for people to know that they can decide how much horror they want to put in to yeah. it, okay? Yeah. Obviously, this is sort of our Halloween, you know, podcast, and we're going out, and, and the House of Paper Shadows has the opportunity to include a lot of serious body horror if you want it to. Or you can kind of pull it back and kind of keep it a little bit more PG if your game group is not ready for R-rated stuff. The same kind of goes for the time travel, right? Yep. So the adventure that's built into it, if you want to dial it up to 10 and you want it to be a very serious time travel adventure, one of the things that's neat about the time travel element that you wrote into this game was that you have a timeline, and you can affect that timeline, and you can also screw up things in that timeline, and it will have a domino effect to everything else that happens in the adventure. And I think that's a very strong part of this game. So if people do like time travel, if they have like a Doctor Who background, or they, they like sliders, or other kind of things like that, you know, this is the kind of adventure that I think will pay off if you like the, the idea of affecting something and then seeing how it turns out later. And that can be very minor things. Maybe you save one character who might come back later to have a big effect on what happens or prevents the villain or villainess from uh, maybe moving their plot forward. Um, but it can also have very grave consequences. And I will say that the adventure is built in a way that the time travel 
can have a range of possibilities for what happens. And to me, that was very intriguing. I, uh, I was very proud to be able to edit this only because I felt like I had some knowledge about this area. And I think um, you kind of nailed a really good sample adventure. So if somebody wants to play through it using your adventure, you can do that. But it's also just an amazing setting that you can use and players can explore, you know, the big roundhouse and stuff like that. So. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that. That's definitely uh, was the aim because the because the I mean, we're talking about the time travel adventure, but what uh, and again spoilers if you're going to be a player in this. This is really more for GMs right now, I guess I would say. But but there's a there's a there's a single room that has a feature in it that connects to a time travel adventure, and and so it's very likely that won't even come up. The players might not go in that room. They might not handle the thing that triggers the time travel. But if they do, there's a whole chapter dedicated to it. And and I, I always like doing things like that. Like this may never come up, but if it does, you know, there's this huge sort of pocket universe that it that it uh, that it leads to. Um, because that's how I do my preparation as a GM. You know, like a, like I like thinking, well, what if the players do this little thing? You know, I want to really think about all the places that could lead. And and so that's what that's meant to sort of, I guess, simulate if you were if this were part of a regular campaign. Um but uh, but yeah, I guess in terms of the house itself, you know, I, we should probably talk about that. What, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I mean, I always have trouble talking about it because like I, I like I I am so close to it, and I've I've you know, I, and you might have a similar experience now just from the editing of it that it's sometimes hard to pick apart, you know, what the what the cool features are. But but I feel like for me, the House of Paper Shadows is really effective because. It came about because I, I I originally had this idea for paper shadow puppet monsters, and I threw them at a group of players when they were trying to kill a general in Yujing or some city somewhere. And I was struck by how like they reacted to them. They were just like horrified by them. And then anytime they saw paper walls, because the paper shadows appear on paper walls, they would freak out. They would just they just you know it, it had a really strong impact on them. So out of that, the, the Shadow House, the House of Paper Shadows, the Society of Leather Shadows grew into this thing. And I, I knew that I had a player that wanted to destroy the House of Paper Shadows. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, give me a couple of weeks to, to come up with some stuff. And, and so I, I sat down for like two weeks and just thought about it. And then I wrote it after I, you know, so, I, so, so there was a lot of forethought that went into it. And I feel like the the end product is substantially. Uh, I'm much more confident about this one than some of the others that I put out. Not to crap on my other books, just that I feel like this is one where, like, I really sat down and said, "Okay, this is going to be very good," and that was sort of the aim from the outset. Um, there's there's no doubt that a lot of time was taken on the entire setting of the House of Paper Shadows. So. The amount of detail that goes into every room as people go from room to room in this fits together very intentionally, okay? And, and also, you you understand the motivations of the characters in each of the rooms. And again, I'm going to kind of go back to what I said a little earlier. There's a lot of body horror in this. Yeah. So when you're going into another room, you know, I, I will say this story kind of originally felt like a little bit Hellraiser-ish to me. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was 
definitely like paper walls, you know, and I'm not, I don't think I'm giving anything away because there's a wasp on the cover of House of Paper Shadows. But are those uh, walls made of like, you know, bee, bee, bee paper or, or wasp paper or, or like beehive? Or, or is that, you know, Ed Gein human skin stretched across a, a wall? It depends on what room you go into, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think that there's there there might be some strange things going on with some of those uh, those walls and that paper. And I think there's a lot to be said about that and and how I, I think you were very intentional about what is included in this because I, I can't remember how many rooms are in this in this building. There's a lot of darn rooms. Fifty six, I think. Yeah, and the, but no two rooms are alike. So yeah. I, I think it's an amazing adventure. Even even if someone were to, were to borrow like five of the rooms for an adventure, you would have more than enough adventure on your hands. So well, and the um the thing about the the, the wasps, how that came about was the, the the problem that I had when I first sat down to think about this 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 adventure is every time I thought of the House of Paper Shadows, all I could envision was just paper walls and shadow puppets. And that, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to have like a house that's like all paper walls and shadow puppets, and the walls will move, and it'll confuse people. And that would work great for a movie, but I found in an adventure context, it didn't really satisfy what I was, you know, it just it got boring very quickly, and just as I ran it through my head. And so I was like, well, okay, I know I need the paper walls. What can I use that's paper-related? And then I started to think about wasps. And then from there, that's kind of, and it just sort of was like this logical chain of, okay, you know, if I, if I bring in the wasps, you know, I know that the director's, you know, this guy called Shasan, but what if there was some deeper mystery? And, and so that, that was, and so everything in the house kind of has this like Russian doll kind of effect that I like. And, and so it, it just is like, just when you maybe feel like you've got things figured out, it has another surprise in store for you. And the Hellraiser thing's definitely true. I, I, I make I, I think I mentioned Clive Barker at the start of the book in the introduction. And when I was in high school, I was a big Clive Barker movie fan. I, I read it, I read some of his books, but I was more of like the movie, uh, you know, body horror fan. And and me and my friends used to watch like um, Nightbreed and Hellraiser and uh, um, you know and Candyman and all these movies. And so obviously Hellraiser had a big effect. But Candyman had a big effect too because Candyman has the bees in it. Bees, yes. Yeah. And so so what I did when I was writing it, like and I don't normally write this way, but when I was working on this project, I decided to uh like normally what I do is I I I listen to music before I write to get myself into the mindset that I want to be in so that the mood feels the same the whole time. And on this one, I took the uh the the Candyman soundtrack. Um, which is a Philip Glass soundtrack, and I'm not really a fan of Philip Glass. Like I, 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 I kind of have the same critique of him that the guys from South Park have, um, where he can get very redundant. Like, I, like he writes these beautiful melodies, but it'll be like that melody over and over and over again, and nothing else seems to get into it. And so I just played the soundtrack over and over and over and over and over again, uh, over the whole period that I was writing it. That's all. That pretty much that was all I listened to. And the idea being that it would get me into the mindset to do it and it would maybe get me like a little bit like frayed enough that like I would, you know, so that, so that I would just kind of like drop my guard enough with like the body horror and stuff. 
and that and that and it seemed to work you know what i mean so that's oh go ahead you know there there was i i i think that's awesome i, I just because you mentioned the walls i wanted to add something to that which i really loved in this adventure and that was i think if people have played D D before so like whether you you've been in like played the module castle amber or if you've ever played like the module uh you know the or a number of different D&D modules use this idea about where you walk into someplace and the walls start changing. You don't know what's going on. Easily explained by magic, you know, but frustrating because you can't figure out what's going on. One of the things that I really liked about uh, the walls when you walked in here, and if you broke through the walls or you changed or whatever, there was a very good explanation for why it was happening. And so because you had the wasps, like, flying in, like, if you damaged a wall, the wasps would fly in and they would, like, fix the wall. Or if somebody else came in, they would wall up the section behind them. So if you got, like, two or three rooms into this building, suddenly that was not the way out of the building. Or that was not the way that you could go. And so for me, especially because some of the walls got harder then, um, in terms of, like, their thickness and strength, um, it was a very compelling adventure because you might only be one wall away from escaping a room. You could kick through the door to your left and you could actually exit the building if you're in the right place, but you wouldn't know it. And so to me, the whole changing walls and how, how literally the, the insects rebuilt the walls in this adventure is a very great example of how you can, whilst, and, and it's a round building, right? So yeah. it's not a square building that people are in. So it's naturally like turning on them and they don't necessarily, they, they lose perception of where they are. If you're one of those hardcore game masters that makes your players map where they're at, this is going to be the worst module ever to map. Yeah. But I will say this, like amazingly uh, smart in how you put together why it happens. And, and not just a, okay, it was magic, so this changes, which I think is a little bit of a cheat. But you had written in exactly why it happened and what the consequences are if you attack the insects and things like that. So there's a lot of depth to, the, to, to even the smallest uh, changes in the module, which I really respected a lot. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, that was one of the parts I really enjoyed when I would run it, too, is the fact that I could utilize these bees or these wasps in this way. And, uh, and, and I know we had a lot of discussions, actually, at a certain point about the distinction between bees and wasps because of, um, but, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, I, th I thought that worked really well. And I should say the map is by Francesca Bereld. And it's a it's a really gorgeous looking map, and the art is by Jackie Musto, and I feel like just visually, it's it's one of the best things we've put out, maybe the best so far, because it just has a uh, I don't know, there's like a everything feels cohesive in this book from the cover to the to the to the back of the book, um, but yeah, I don't know, I, I think uh, it's 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 a um, the the walls are definitely uh, a, a a big part of what makes it work, and the circular nature of it. I know I really like that style of architecture. I thought that the that the roundhouse structure was in, was just interesting, um, but it's obviously a challenge to run. So we did include, you know, like Nick said, if you want, you can have the players map it, and it's going to be. I've done that, and it's 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 definitely a challenge for players to map a circular building like this. Uh, so out of pity, we included a um, a blank version of the map. Uh, that the players can use if you want to, uh, if if you want to be merciful. But it's not going to be for everybody, you know. Not everybody likes to give out those kinds of handouts. 
Um, but uh, but also I remember you had said uh, that you would run a sequel to the camp to the to the adventure as well, and I, I thought maybe we could get into that a little bit because it sounded interesting to me. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, I, I I did. So first, let me let me give a little context when when I ran the adventure because I mainly you know when we started the podcast with us, I mainly run the Doctor Who role playing game, and really what that means is that my group of players port into different game systems to whatever is interesting for us to experience or play. So. That really means that we use the same characters, but we might end up in a wuxi environment like, uh, you know, House of Paper Shadows. So um, we just keep our characters like in a GURPS campaign and then go to another place. And so when we ran this adventure, um, you know, I I made one or two slight changes. And rather than there being a a magical uh, reason that would fit the the environment... um, the main villain or villainess was actually a Vespa form from the, uh, one of the Doctor Who, David Tennant, Tenth Doctor, Doctor Who stories. So uh, that fit what that creature is in the actual House of Paper Shadows module, but it gave it a Doctor Who spin that through the, the, the that actually the characters loved and really embraced, and, and they were really kind of freaked out by that, and and uh, you know they really liked it. Um, it was so popular that I later played a sequel adventure to House of Paper Shadows, basically using a lot of the same ideas, right? So the the players were really kind of uh, into the, you know, they had a fear of the shadow puppets on walls, too. They, they suddenly got a fear of insects and paper walls and where things were. Um, in the sequel adventure, actually, I, I used a little bit of a twist, and rather than it being the shadow puppets on the wall... Um, it was actually um, a, a group of people that were controlling ink, tattoo ink, and they were having the tattoo ink, which, because it was a Doctor Who adventure, I had the tattoo ink as actually being an alien life form, but uh, it would be magical in a Wuxi adventure, and the tattoo ink, uh, they would go to like a, a, a big festival, and at the festival there were you know bands playing and people having food and enjoying themselves and then there were different artisans there including this tattoo artist and the tattoo artist would give people tattoos and what ended up happening in that adventure really is that uh, the players arrive just as the first murder is encountered and everyone's like whoa what's going on and of course the authorities are trying to keep a lid on it because there's a hundred thousand people at this festival and they don't want to scare anyone and the body that they find actually has an arm ripped out. And again, I was kind of going for the body horror that House of Paper Shadows really gave me. Mm. And so they found somebody with the arm shredded to bits, and they were laying dead. And then there's this, they find a second body, that of an 18-year-old girl, and she, her back is a lower back is ripped out and uh, can't continue. And ultimately what the plot of that adventure was was that this alien life form is is actually uh, basically harvesting the endorphins out of the human brain and the creature of course is ink right so um, and it's the tattoo so the tattoo ink itself the tattoos themselves are are what's what's deadly right and it would rip out of the body at the point where these people had had their tattoos done and because, of course, they didn't have any enough endorphins, even smaller injuries, even though they're pretty horrific injuries, but smaller injuries in the scheme of things, they didn't have the endorphin response to stay alive and, 
and and you know they, they the adrenaline they wouldn't have the adrenaline to, to stay alive so um so kind of an odd sequel to this to this adventure but i had it be from the same villain who i allowed you know kind kind of to escape because if you have a good villain and your players don't like them Sometimes there's a way you try to bring them back, and it's a lot easier in time travel games, yeah. right? <laughs> so like, um, and uh, but but it turned out to be a, re- a really good adventure, um, absolutely in the spirit of the House of Paper Shadows, um, and just one that the players uh, just really responded to. And it's funny because I have a group of players. I, I have I think four women in my group of, of players of the six who played in this game. Mm-hmm. And of those four, none of them like horror movies. But for some reason, at the gaming table, when you describe horror, body horror for them, they're kind of okay with it. They wouldn't sit down and yeah. watch a, a Clive Barker movie, but in, 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 when they feel like they're there, there's something on the line, they were okay with the body horror, and they could definitely picture it in their minds. So I, I think, like, going back to House of Paper Shadows, what I, I think is great about the, the the story is just that when we played it and there were these horrific things that were happening, again, depending on what you think your players can handle, you can dial that up or dial that down, yeah. right? You know, you can say like, oh, you see that there's, it looks like somebody might be strung up on a wall being tortured. You can leave it at that. Or you can, somebody strung up on a wall being tortured and you can see that their skin is being flayed out and you know what you know so like there's different levels of what you can do with well, it it's like do you pan away from the from the from the horror or do you focus in on it and yeah that, that's sort of i mean i and for house of paper shadows when i've run it i've been pretty frank about the the body horror because that's sort of for me that's what i'm trying to convey but i feel like it's easily scalable like you're saying depending on on how you want, like what you want to focus on in your description because like i said there's no box text in this adventure um, so the, you know, the GM is free to, you know, speak in terms that, that fits what they, what they're going for. Um, and I find with, with this kind of stuff, again, you can, it's, you know, it's, it's like having that camera move up or down, depending on just what you, what you choose to sort of set your sights on. Um, and, but is it, it is interesting to me. Number one, well, first thing about that, that I thought was interesting is that's a really cool sequel idea in general, just sort of like, it feels like it's really in the spirit of a sequel to take okay the last one was shadow puppets and x so now we're going to do tattoos for the sequel you know i mean it's like it's it's a really good way to sort of bring it bring some bring back something from a prior adventure but do it in a new way that is gonna uh it's still reminiscent enough and the and and it resurrects the thoughts of the prior threat but there's this whole new thing that you now have to you know mystery to discover and uh to me to me the connection was and you know, there, there's, and I'll, I'll, I don't think this is a, a, a big like giveaway for the module, but there are some places where the walls are human skin, right? Yeah. Like, and so to me, like the shadow puppets on the human skin was interesting. Then there was the connection to the tattoo ink. What if rather than there being shadow puppets, now like you're putting the shadow quote unquote ink tattoo ink the shadow puppets into people because. Ironically, people are willingly putting ink into themselves, right? Yeah. So it was kind of this interesting like connection that only when they got to the villain did the players suddenly realize the the depth of the connection in the story. So, did any of your players try to get the tattoo 
in the adventure? Because you said there was a tattoo artist around, or was he already on the run by that point? No, actually, the ta- they they actually had gotten to the point where they were in a se- series of tents, and the tattoo artist, uh, who was basically using the aliens to collect the endorphins, and he was really the villain, and he was a kind of human guy mm-hmm. using these these aliens, the, the, the tattoo ink or the magical ink, depending on how you want to play it, to collect these endorphins, which would be this drug that could be used in other places. Um, they literally got to the series of tents, and I would always describe it like this. Inside the series of tents, there's a tattoo artist. There's somebody selling concert T-shirts. There's somebody selling like like perfumes. There's somebody selling like jewelry. There's somebody selling, you know. So it's all the kind of things that you'd find. Doesn't matter if you were in like, you know, 500 BC or you're at Lollapalooza in you know yeah. 2018. Like it's some of the same stuff that's being sold, right? There's a guy who has tie-dye t-shirts, you know, or whatever, right? Like, every every concert or every fair has that thing, right? Like, And humorously, they were actually standing in the booth right next to the tattoo artist, and they never put together the tattoo artist. So they were always like, oh, do you think it's the jewelry? The one girl... <laughs> This the one girl had like earrings and the other person had a belly ring, you know, like, you know, because like there was a guy doing piercings, but that was not the tattoo artist, right? Um, ultimately, one of the players and the hats off to uh, Jenna Hole, one of my players, she literally put it all together when the place where all of the 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 ink was bursting out of the bodies was the location where the tattoos were made. So, you know, it was the the shoulder of, of one of the guys who was there who'd gotten a tattoo, the back of the leg of the guy who kind of had a bunch of other tribal tattoos that was ripped out, you know, the lower back of the teenage girl where she'd more or less gotten her tramp stamp, you know, like all, all of the look, and suddenly it clicked for her. And she's like, are, are, aren't these all places where people get tattoos? Yeah. Yep. At that point, they kind of turn around and their whole adventuring group was like, 30 feet away from the villain and you know you know where he was but what was really interesting then it, it came to hand-to-hand combat and of course then he's wielding his tattoo needle and as much as they just want to go and grab this guy now they're worried that even one small cut of his like tattoo needle will infect them and then the creature oh. can attack them from the inside so there was this there was this great battle of people trying to stay far away from the villain while somehow trying to like overpower them. And, you know, it, it came down to some, like, can, can we crash the tent down on, can we kick out the tent and let, you know, like, so it got, it got very creative. I have to say it was an excellent adventure. So no, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. no, and I, 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 I like tattoos in horror settings. I, I think that tattoos are a, a good vehicle for, for horror and the supernatural in general. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. We've going on for like thirty five minutes, so I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but uh, but I think before we go, I, I do want to mention to people that uh, you know, House of Paper Shadows is available at RPG now in PDF. It's available. Uh, it should be in stores now, and is available online and at the Studio Two website. It's uh, nineteen ninety nine, so it's not too expensive. Um, I can't 
you know, tell I, you know, shipping is always a, a, a nightmare for role playing games. So I don't know if the shipping is going to go for people. Um, but if you can get it in a store, it's nineteen ninety nine, and uh, you know it should be widely available. And it's about a hundred pages. And I don't know. I, th- I think it's a it's a it's a neat little adventure, and I would encourage people to check it out. Um, I, I I can honestly say I think it's worth every cent. I know I had the good fortune of working on this particular adventure, but um, I, that was as an editor. I didn't write this, and I have to say that this is absolutely something that I would buy, um, given the opportunity, because it's that strong of an adventure. So, and so, and so, yeah. So I, I hope people will, uh, you know, take a chance and check it out. It is getting it's getting harder and harder uh, as as uh, as technology advances and as as the market changes to reach everybody so hopefully we can sort of spread the word if you if you pick it out if you pick it up and you like it i would definitely encourage people to to let others know just because that's really what makes all the difference these days is is people telling their friends if they like a game and you know commenting about it online that that really goes a long way and and people have done that and that's been you know we always appreciate it when people do that um, so yeah, so uh, you know we'll head out. Hopefully, Nick and I have to get back on and do our classic who with Adam because we haven't done a classic who episode in a while. Yes. Um, and uh, I think we were still working our way through the Tom Baker episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm I'm still quite eager to get to um, the, uh, uh, the 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 sixth Doctor episodes. So, mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, so 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 hopefully we'll have Nick back on for that. And also, Nick does uh, the. Um, the, the RPG game lab with us as well. We're going to have another one of those coming up. And, uh, and, and in the meantime, I guess, you know, we'll, uh, you know, you'll, we'll, we'll keep you happy with the, uh, Nick and I, not Nick, uh, me and Adam have a, um, one more, uh, I Claudius episode to do. And this Friday, we're going to be doing a movie on Wuxia weekend called hex. And this is a, a classic Shaw brothers film. It's, I, I won't go into too much detail here, but it, it, it you know, I really enjoy this movie and, and the reason why I'm mentioning it here is because there's a monster in the House of Paper Shadows that is very much inspired by a scene from the movie Hex. And I think if people watch that, you know, they'll, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, so anyways, we will, uh, we will be off and we will talk to you later. Bye.